Hello, 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 brothers and sisters. How y'all doing? This is Larry with the Black Financial Initiative. Got a great, great episode today. I'm going to go ahead and pass it to Terrence. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So as always, you have Larry here. You have myself, Terrence, here. Uh, we're missing Eric this morning. He's on paternity leave, so to speak. Spending a little quality time with the young one. Uh, but today we'll have another outstanding episode. We'll be introducing a very special guest here. We have a sister from another mister here. Uh, <laughs> the very beautiful and talented uh, former student athlete scholar over here. Entrepreneur, uh, gym owner. A doula, certified doula. I present to you my sister-in-law, Alyssa. Will you go ahead and introduce yourself and you know your fit? <laughs> hey guys, my name is Alyssa Nichols of You Know Your Fit Studio in Dallas, Texas. I am so glad to be here and thankful to you, Larry and Terrence, for giving me this opportunity. I look forward to digging deep into some good topics and getting to know you guys as y'all get to know me. Yeah, man, we're we're excited. For, we're excited to have you here. So. Yeah, we yeah, want to continue well, the uh, the BGM, the Black Girl Magic, as you recall from a couple <laughs> episodes ago. We had uh, Nikki, who was a uh, hairstylist and just opened up a, a studio. She just kind of shared some some knowledge with us and told us about her her journey and opening up her shop. And we'll continue that that BGM, Black Girl Magic, and introduce another uh, entrepreneur on and and let you tell us how. The game goes, put us on game a little bit. Let us know about the fitness industry and owning your own studio, your gym, and being a personal trainer, and then also on the doula side of it. So uh, sure, you're going to put us on game, and we're looking forward to it. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> well, first, let's start with, with you and your business. What made you uh, decide to become a personal trainer? It actually happened on accident. <laughs> it was an it was a complete accident. Not gonna lie, my <laughs> my uh, degree is I have a BFA in studio art, so that's what I went to school for. I just happened to be working, so I ran track in college, which is where the athletic background comes from. I ran track at Baylor on scholarship, um, and so when I finished, I was trying to decide whether I wanted to do freelance graphic design or work in an art department. And so I just started working at the Golds at, in Uptown just to make some money. I was living with my mom at the time. And so I literally was just checking people in, making shakes. Like I'm not really, you know, I had started my fitness journey at that time, like post college athlete trying to figure out like, all right, <laughs> got to get back in shape a little bit. And so I started back training at that facility that I was working at. One of the personal trainers there um, I think his name was Sean. He saw me lifting and he was like, you should really be a trainer. He's like, you get along really well with the people that are here and you work out really well. He's like, just, you know, take the test. He's like, even if it's just for a, a short period of time, you'll make more money as a trainer than you will working at the front desk. You have a lot more skill sets than just doing that. So I was like, ah, you know, I kind of hate working at the front desk. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I took, I took my test and then started training at the Gold's Gym in Uptown, and it kind of just evolved from there, so to speak. Let me, let me take it back and ask you a quick question. What, what did you run at Baylor? I ran the 400, 4x1, 4x4. Oh, that's a tough run. That's a tough race. It is. <laughs> and I, I didn't start running the 400 really until like the last meet in high school because I got injured. So it was a new thing <laughs> for me. But I, I, I've come to, I came to enjoy it. And when I was younger, I remember uh, like the 400 was like the longest 
race to me. Like once you pass the 200, it yeah. didn't matter if it was, if you were running the 400 or 800, you were doing the mile or whatever, it was all the same. It, it was, it goes <laughs> to too long. That's, that's how it went. It went from straight from sprints to too long and it was, it was all the same. No, that's pretty much everybody. That's when everybody's hiding in the stands, trying not to get picked for the four by four. <laughs> I remember that. I remember looking for people like, ain't you supposed to be running? Like, <laughs> That's cool. But um, I guess we'll kind of piggyback a little bit off of your, um, well, I'm sure your uh, track back background will probably play a little bit into uh, you know your fit and how you started your journey, but can you tell us a little bit about you know your fit? And how you, how did you start uh, your studio? Yeah, so um, after I started working at Gold, so if you're familiar with the Dallas area, uptown area, it's you know a metropolitan area, and I was training there, and honestly, I just wasn't happy. I, I loved what I was doing as far as being able to help people, figuring out their goals, figuring out whatever, you know, contraindications they have, you know, injuries, those type of things, working around that. But just working in a community of people that honestly is pretty privileged. Like it's like working at goals, you have people that, you know, are coming and spending two grand on training and not showing up. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, what? You know, like, and so just kind of experiencing that and uh, seeing people coming from up north and stuff and just seeing the, the resources they had access to for help. It's like I'm going places, you know, to eat in Allen and stuff like that. And they printing out nutrition labels on receipts <laughs> and I'm floored. Like, what? like this is a thing that happens. And so uh, just kind of being in that environment, it honestly really made me want to go back south to where I'm from, Cedar Hill, uh, knowing that there aren't (laughs) these type of resources here. You can hardly find a personal trainer, you know, in the Cedar Hill, DeSoto, uh, Lancaster area. It just doesn't really, there's not a big push for it. It doesn't exist. And it certainly didn't at that time. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to start my own business. And I didn't honestly know what that was going to look like. I had in my head throughout the years of uh, the months of working at Gold's kind of visualized, all right, like maybe in seven years I have my own gym or maybe, you know, that type of thing. But clearly God had other plans. <laughs> it happened a lot quicker than that. So I started working at an MMA dojo in Cedar Hill, mainly just because the rent was cheap. And I knew the guy from high school. He was really cool. And I've always been into boxing and MMA too. So I was like, oh, I'd be cool to be in that environment learn some things. Um, So I started my client base there. And I was there for maybe almost a year. I think I spent just training people. I actually started doing jujitsu and learning other things while I was there. And then the opportunity came for me to move to a all women's studio in the design district. And the issue, I kind of ended up going back more north because Cedar Hill was too far south for a lot of people. Um, A lot of people that work, I felt like being more centrally located might be easier now that I had uh, the client base. You know, I had tapped into the the, the Soto, the Southern part of that Dallas, and I could kind of locate myself centrally. That way everybody could kind of get to me. I could get the best of both worlds. And um, so I did that for a while and that was a little bit janky, (laughs) if I'm being honest. Um, that I actually ended up getting fired from that studio. <laughs> oh, oh, oh man! <laughs> hey, part of the journey. Part of the journey. 
It was. It was owned by a woman who was, she turned out to not be a, a very nice person, but she ended up closing the studio and not telling me that it was shutting down. Like she watched me, like I was starting up my first like challenge and like I signed up all of these people that are, this is like in-person training. And all the while this gym is not going to be here next month. And everyone else, everyone knows, but me, <laughs> like I'm the only person that has no clue that this is happening. So she ends up coming in and saying that, you know, the gym's going to be closed. And I just wanted to give you a heads up literally like a week before it's about to close. <laughs> give you this week notice. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, a heads up. Like you've watched me like advertise for this for months now. Like, so of course I was pissed. So at that point, after having already been at two facilities and kind of seeing how the back end, I'm like, you know what? I, I can't sign myself up to go to another gym where people don't know how to, to run a business. Like, I don't ever want to be in a position to where somebody can just snatch my livelihood from up under me because they aren't running things properly or whatever the case may be, jealousy, whatever it is, I don't want to be in that position anymore. So it was at that time that I decided I'm going to try to open my own facility. And so I ended up starting to GoFundMe. And it was at that, that time that she fired me or kicked me out, I guess, of the gym because I guess I didn't know that the gym was closing <laughs> at the end of the month. And so I was messing with her last little cash flow or whatever like that. Um, so I started that process, which honestly, it was crazy how quickly it happened. And that's something that I always try to tell people when they ask me about, you know, having a storefront location, um, especially if you're going to do more of like a boutique style like me is it's they like to make it seem like it's really difficult, but it's not really <laughs> as hard as it seems. It seems more daunting, uh, like just face value than it actually is in the process. That seems to be a common thread with people we've talked to. Like when the people actually decide to go out on them, bet on themselves, it seems like it's hard, but when you actually do it, you know, and I'm sure passion comes into it as well. Like if something you really want to do, you know, it probably helps you out as well. So. No, that's definitely uh, true. I think I left the studio I was at. I was actually training my clients on the rooftop of my apartment complex in the middle of the summer. They were so, they were so ride or die. <laughs> I'll never forget that because it was so hot. <laughs> but they were all up there and I, I want to say once I got Taylor's the one Terrence's wife my sister's the one that found this my first location I think I had the keys within like two and a half weeks three weeks Man. like it was like by I, like you said passion is a big part of it I was very much like I got my loan I got it I mean I got everything rolling very quickly and uh, made sure I got things together how long ago was this? That was in 2017. So it was a little okay. over, almost four years now. Okay. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy. It's very interesting for me to kind of hear you retell it because it's like when you're watching the, uh, you ever see one of those TV shows and you watch the, you, the beginning of the next episode and they do the recap? That's kind of <laughs> <laughs> what it's like right now because I remember the, that time and and those steps and everything kind of progressing for you because that was 
the time that me and your sister were uh, together, you know, and just seeing all that happening and just kind of hearing, but now you actually retelling it instead of just being on the outside, just kind of Yeah, I remember. I still have the videos of you coming to help put the squat racks together and stuff when I got the first location. Hey, that was just uh, prepping me for this morning. I just put together my own (laughs) squat rack. (laughs) I literally just put me a squat rack together in the garage this morning. Very good. All right. So, um, oh, go ahead, Terrence. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that that story, what she was talking about is what I was thinking about while I was doing it. I was like, I don't remember putting a, a list of squat rack together. <laughs> I sure wasn't doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I was not doing it. <laughs> All right. So uh, your clients, what what do you provide for your clients? Hit workout, strength, cardio, you know, et cetera. What all, what all do you provide for them? It really just depends on what they need. My specialty, I would say, is uh, functional training, strength and conditioning mostly is what uh, I go to. Because like I tell a lot of my clients, a lot of people come in with these different, you know, ideas of what is the best workout for weight loss and what is the, and I kind of have to uh, remind people that there is no, there's no best workout (laughs) for weight loss. You lose weight by eating less calories (laughs) than you burn. What you do in the gym should be about strength, should be about mobility, those type of things. There's no best workout to lose weight. You, you can do strictly cardio, but if you're eating more than you're burning, you're still not going to lose weight. So, um, but we do mostly functional training. So uh, we don't have any machines at my studio. It's all barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, slam balls, resistance bands, squat rack, those type of things. So it's, that's my sweet spot because I think that that's the most well-rounded way to um, exercise. Man, so y'all really getting in um, there. On your website, it says uh, you train using functional movements. I guess I guess you actually just answered that. What are functional movements, I guess? Um, yeah, so f- functional training just essentially means that it can be functionally like transferred into everyday life. So that's the same thing with like squatting and hinge movements. Those are movements that you're going to use every day. You're going to squat to get up and out of your seat. You squat to use the restroom. You pick things up, you know, those type of things. Uh, that's why we don't really use machines. There's a time and a place for machines, and they are great for, especially for people that have contraindications or injuries, rehab, those type of things. But when we're talking about being strong, strong in your functional day-to-day life, you want to mimic the movements that you're going to use day to day and you're not going to be sitting necessarily on a machine doing anything (laughs) day to day. Uh, So we want to try to build strength in ways that's going to transfer and translate well into your everyday life. So what you're saying is that uh, I'm not going to be bench pressing every uh, hour (laughs) of the day in my regular life. Is is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And, and, Bench pressing is great and and all of those. I would still consider bench press to be more, more functional than like a machine chest press where the tracking is essentially, it's already tracked for you. That's not going to be reminiscent of everyday life. Everyday life is when your shoulders move out of place, you drop something, you know, you have to be able to have strength in areas that's not just, you know, one dimensional. So multifunctional, multiplanar training, essentially because that's what life is stepping off of a curb and trying not to, you know, rub your Achilles, those type of things, machines can't necessarily prepare you for. So oh, I have a, a question kind of about starting your gym as you just took us on a little trip down that, that journey. And we saw that it wasn't exactly linear 
you know, it wasn't just a straight path. You kind of took some some detours along the way. So now that you've gone through that, what advice would you give someone wanting to start their own gym or start personal training? Well, my advice for someone that's wanting to start personal training is get certified. There's this huge thing. And I'm, and I'm not saying that the best trainers are certified. I know amazing trainers that are not certified. <laughs> um, it's just people, those, those are the small things that you can do to solidify yourself in an industry that will take you further than you think. You know, it's like, it's, it seems minuscule to some people. It's like, whatever, I have the knowledge, I have the experience, I played in the NFL, I did this, that, and the fit. And that's all great. But if you want people to take you seriously, you want to be able to sit in rooms of importance and have important conversations, you need the letters, you need the NASM, NCSF, whatever, whatever it's going to be. Uh, make sure that you start there. You also need to understand the fundamentals. I think great trainers are a mix of both. It's a mix of experience and a mix of knowledge. So you want to be able to tap in to both. I think that's what makes the most well-rounded trainers. I also would encourage people that want to be personal trainers to really educate yourself. There's a lot of misinformation <laughs> out here, especially with the market being so saturated on social media and fitness coaches or health coaches. It's just, there's so many different names for things that aren't, don't really mean and what people think that they mean. So do your research, figure out what exactly your scope of practice is, what that looks like and those type of things. As far as people wanting to open their own gym, I always tell people first, do the paperwork. That was something that my older brother taught me and I'm grateful for now that I've been in the game for a while is having your LLC, making sure everything, your taxes and all of that stuff is in line because you don't want to get caught up on something silly like that. So make sure that you do the paperwork and the not so fun stuff up front. That way it doesn't come to bite you in the butt later down the line. How was uh, creating your LLC? Was that a difficult process? It really wasn't. Um, you can pay for, you can go, you know, like the legal Zoom route and pay, or you can do it yourself. And like I said, my brother had done it and he's a tech kind of person. So he helped me out. We did, we went ahead and just submitted it myself to save some money. It costs like $300, I think. Um, and you only have to do it once, which is great. It's not something that you have to like renew or anything. So um, yeah, it wasn't, even doing it myself, I, I don't remember it being super stressful. And I'm not someone that likes paperwork. I would like to pay anyone to, to fill this out <laughs> other than me. <laughs> but that's pretty consistent with what we heard from uh, the owner of uh, the New Use Salon. U, yeah, New Use Salon was that uh, she got her LLC. And once she decided, you know, that she was going to start her own salon and and go into business and like she had her plan together and filled out the paperwork and she said it was it was pretty easy it wasn't as difficult as as she thought it was was going to be it wasn't as daunting a, a task so no and that's the same thing with the I get asked a lot about the loan process because I got my small business loan through a nonprofit called lift fund which I absolutely recommend to everyone and think that everyone <laughs> should get their loans through lift fund because they are a nonprofit and they work with mostly with minority small businesses. Um, you don't have to have a crazy good credit score. At the time, my credit score was trash, <laughs> like trash. <laughs> I don't even think I knew what credit really was, like for real, and mostly because I didn't have any credit history. But 
You don't you have to have Black Financial Initiative back then for you. you exactly. Been then, yeah. <laughs> then I would have known. But they were uh, phenomenal with helping me with the process. And they do everything they can to get you the most amount of money. And I actually became my loan officer at the time. I've been training her for the last three or four years. But the money's there. And that's something that I think we don't realize. And because it's not necessarily taught to us or nobody's really telling us that the money's there. But if you need that type of assistance, there absolutely is money there for you to get things done. So don't get frustrated. A lot of times, you know, I started trying to go to big banks, Capital One, Chase, and it's like, that's, it's not really set up for small businesses. This, that money is set up for businesses that already exist that are making (laughs) millions and stuff, but organizations like Lift Fund, People Fund is also another one. They work with slightly larger loan amounts, but they made the process very, very easy for me to get the funds quickly and get things started. Like I said, it was a two week, three week process the first time. And I had the funds in my account and was able to get the stuff that I needed. Did you have to show them like a business plan or anything like that? (laughs) The funny thing is um, I did because I'm just sort of anal retentive and I like to kind of ha- already have, like I came up, I was just joking on Twitter the other day about how I went to my first meeting with um, the people from Lift Fund and they didn't ask me to bring anything, but I like typed up some completely BS. <laughs> like it was much <laughs> some graphs and a mission statement that probably had grammatical errors. Like I just, I threw something together super quick bought one of those like uh, old school laminated folder things with this used to put your projects in to make it look nice. I didn't know, but I ended up talking to my loan officer later and she was saying that was one of the reasons why they fought so hard to give me the money is because I was the, one of the only people that came with something already prepared. Like most people just show up like, Oh, you know, whatever. But I actually, she's like, no one really ever does that already has something you know, for us to look at. Or I, we could tell that you were really organized. Meanwhile, I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, I just, you know, I didn't make it. I didn't make all of that up. But those type of things matter. Even in the process with the loan, she was saying that because um, they used to like, they'll send you like all of these documents you have to fill out. It's a lot of paperwork to fill out. But I always made sure to send it back to them in the order that they asked for it. And that seems really minuscule and small and just like, why does it matter? But it made her job easier and it showed them that I was organized. So when they went to process my loan, they didn't have to go searching. Like everything was in a folder already in the order that they had asked for. They had sent it to me and she was like, stuff like that. That's what made us really be like, okay, this person is serious about this business. She's gonna, you know, be organized. Small details that people often overlook these loan places and just people in general, those things matter. And they'll get you a lot further than you think they will. Hey, the separation's in the preparation. So uh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that before. I like that, Terrence. Uh, yeah, old cat I knew in, in high school used to say that. I think he like coaches uh, softball or something now. So that's what he tells his, his kids. Separation's in I'm the preparation. I'm gonna put it on Twitter like I like I came up with it. You know, that's what. what (laughs) Hey, just at the end, just hashtag BFI (laughs) Black Financial Initiative or something. I got you. I got you. (laughs) But um, you said something earlier that I want to reverse and just park there for a second. It it kind of made my ears perk up. You mentioned 
you know, get your certifications, get those letters that mean something. And because nowadays the market is saturated and you have social media and a lot of the social media fitness gurus nowadays. Uh, so I'm just curious, what is that? How do you view that or how does that impact, you know, your business or just the industry in itself, you know, good, bad or ugly? Um, I think it's a double-edged sword. I think that the, the oversaturation, it, I guess I'll start with the, the bad part is the misinformation. Uh, it hasn't necessarily impacted my business as far as like my ability to gain or keep clients or those type of things, but I just have to spend a lot of time explaining <laughs> the same things because uh, we are constantly being inundated with these images of what fitness and health is the, the sweatbands, the fit tummy tea, the waist trainers and all. T- I mean, I, I'm, that's what I spend most of my time when I'm uh, getting inquiries is talking to my clients about what really works and what doesn't. Um, and so I think that the fitness influencer kind of marketing thing has made it difficult for trainers like myself and just people in general to understand what really works. Like I I was just telling one of my clients the other day, talking about these sweatbands and it's like, you know, it's just, it's my stomach gets smaller, you know, after I wear it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You weigh less because you sweat it. It's water, it's water weight. As soon as you hydrate, you're going to gain that water weight. Like we live in Texas. It's if it was about sweating, we'd all be skinny. Like, if it was just about sweating and weight loss, like, man, we'd be some of the finest people on earth. Like, <laughs> like that's, there's no direct correlation there. But there are these, you know, people that are pushing that and are women that have had surgery and this BBL craze. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're getting these surgeries and then they're pretending like they worked out to get these results. And so I'm constantly having to, to tell my clients, like, yeah, she's also... Five two, <laughs> you're five eleven. That's not what that's gonna look like. <laughs> like that's not how that. It's not gonna translate the way you think in your mind. So it's really more so um, having to just add in an extra layer of kind of this. I call it body dysmorphia that's happening across the board with w- women. And I say I men have it as well, but I have mostly female clients as far as what they're seeing and what they're seeing is popular or beautiful and what actual um, reality is. But I guess the other end of that sword is the, the positive side is that more people are paying attention to their bodies, to what their bodies look like, to what, you know, to their health and those type of things. There's been much more of, I think, a push for people to have trainers and figure out how I can, even if it is vain or, whatever, how I can get this body or what that is going to take or what. So it at least starts the conversation about what you should be eating, what you should be doing, which, you know, there's always going to be two ends. That's kind of this, the duality of life and business. Yeah. this. Um, I mean, I think we kind of discussed a little bit of this in prior episodes on the podcast, as far as just the way things have changed with social media. And then also it kind of compiled with, uh, compounded with the pandemic because of, you have more people looking into the, the camera, you know, zooming from home and, and Skyping and all that. So, or, or they're just spending more time at home on social media now. So you see everybody else 
And now, like you said, people end up with this kind of body dysmorphia or this break from real reality. So yeah. I can and it's made it a lot easier for the infer to have fitness influence. Everybody has an at-home workout, you know, program and this, that, and the fifth, and build your, your glutes at home with seven thousand donkey kicks. And I'm just like, <laughs> ah, if that was if that was the key, I'd have a mega booty right now. I wouldn't <laughs> be doing. I wouldn't be lifting all of these weights if that's all it took. So it's definitely changed the dynamic of how people interact with other people. And just health and fitness in general is, is t- taking a, a, a whole new light, especially being at home. So I'm, I'm curious, what was the most difficult part of starting your own business? And uh, what difficulties, difficulties do you face now as an established uh, business owner? Hmm. I would say the most difficult part for me was just the patience. Like I said, everything happened quickly and that's kind of just my speed. I, I thrive in sort of like a, <laughs> a more chaotic environment. But once I got settled in at my first location, especially was just having the patience to build the clientele. A lot of times because kind of tacking back to social media, everything seems like it's, it happened so quickly. Everybody's, you know, got a million followers and got this and, and I didn't really take that route of pushing social media and trying to get have this like multi-million dollar or follower you know account so I really had to just do the groundwork and that's just word of mouth that's just working with people getting results posting results um those type of things and so I really built my clientele base and my following very organically and just based off of what it was that I was doing and I'm not a very patient person (laughs) So just having the patience to just let it happen slowly and just, I mean, the new business woes, just being broke, (laughs) like, you know, it's just little things that uh, people like to gloss over. I feel like once they get stable, it's kind of like they don't want to talk about the fact that they were broke, but I was broke as hell. Okay. (laughs) like (laughs) Keep it real. I was, and I didn't have financial literacy wasn't something that I grew up with or understood or, you know, really knew much about. I was one of those people, unlike my sister, where if I got money, it was burning a hole in my pocket. What can I spend it on? Jesus, anything. So kind of having these extra, you know, responsibilities. I got my regular bills. I got my business bills. I got to figure out this whole tax thing. And then I didn't even know that you had to pay taxes like Dallas County, you have to pay them just to have, based on like the equipment and whatever you have in this space, I have to pay them for that. Interesting. I remember getting my first bill, like, what in the heck? What is this? <laughs> I gotta pay, I'm paying, I'm already paying on the loan for the equipment and now I got to pay y'all to house it, but I'm also paying the rent. What's the rent for? <laughs> like, it just blew my mind. Um, so, I mean, I would say the first. What I've been doing is 2017, 2018, 19. Probably not until honestly, 20, the end of 2019, did I actually start to see a profit. Um, and that was, and, and I say that profit, a very small <laughs> profit. It was not anything um, large. And honestly, the, um, the pandemic was much better for business than I thought. <laughs> it was going to be interesting. So, um, 
Well, I mean, we can talk about that later, but yeah, I would definitely say the hardest part is just me- just trying to make enough money to actually pay myself and understanding what that looks like and how that um, works. Doing that on my own was really hard because I'm not money or number savvy. I don't want to, I can barely count the, I got, I got the weights on the side. That's it. I can't, I'm not doing a whole lot of math. And that was probably the most difficult. And I would say now, it's probably just keeping, not getting complacent. I will say that's probably what I've been struggling with because I've been doing this for so long and I have a, a pretty steady client base, not getting complacent in just my drive to do more with my clients, to learn more. Like I've really made a, a push this year um, to spend more money on continuing education because the it's always evolving. And if I'm not learning or figuring out what's new, I don't know everything. That's the worst thing you can do is think that you know everything about anything. Um, so really just pushing myself to do more research, learn more about sports specific training or, you know, injury prevention training, those type of things. So just trying not to get complacent and keep my clients up to date with whatever is new or whatever I feel like is adequate for them. It's, it's funny you mentioned the, um, you know, having to wait a couple of years before you really started to see a profit and things started to turn. But I think that's kind of depending on what the business is, maybe kind of the, the, the standard is you might have to have that initial investment, put some money up front, and then it might be a couple of years before your name starts to get out. You start to build some credibility. And, and I reached out to a, a gym owner before it was a, a franchise uh, owner and uh, just kind of getting some feedback from him. And he basically said the same thing. He was like, Hey, prepare to put in all the leg work in up front that first year. Don't expect to see any money. Uh, <laughs> the, are you currently working? Keep that job. <laughs> you know? And that was, and that was the thing for me that was, I, but I think it, because of my personality, uh, it was sort of like a driving factor. I didn't have another job. I, I didn't, my side hustle was my only hustle. And so that really pushed me to like, all right, sis, you got you to gotta get this together and keep it together because I didn't have anything else to fall back on. And I think a lot of times people try to, they try to skip that process. It's like, oh, I just want to, I want to be a trainer. I'm going to go. I tell people all the time. I'm like, I started off charging people. Well, my first client, I trained for free for six months, <laughs> like just because I needed a before and after. Okay. Um, yeah. And the thing about it was, is, and I tell my clients this, I mean, people that ask me all the time is you do have to do some work for free. Like I get the whole, like, you know, respect my craft, but you knew in the game, like you, you don't really have, you know, what it, you don't have that backing that time. And so I trained her for free for six months. And to this day, I get clients from her to this day. And that was four years ago, but she got great results. And she literally sends me people like, clockwork all the time even though she's not training with me right now she's always sending me people um and so just doing that six month stint where i worked for no money has yielded me much more (laughs) income down the line because i was willing to make that sacrifice um early and just also understanding a lot of times i struggled early on with charging what i was worth it's like i started and i was you know i'm charging 15 dollars a session whatever but then I started to realize, like, sis, if, if you're going to do this for a living, you're going to have to charge enough to actually be able to pay your bills. Like, that's kind of how that works. And just understanding kind of once I started to talk to other gym owners and see 
what people were charging, what these big gyms are charging uh, and understanding that people have the money. They have the money for it. They do. So you just got to be able to show that you have the service, you have your worth, the time and the money and people will pay you for um, what it is that you're worth. They see the value in it. All right. Now that's, that's right on. Like you said, is that people have the money. The question is, I mean, can you show them that you're worth them, you know, separating with that money? So. <laughs> exactly. That and people just, you know, people, I think I've learned as I've progressed is that people need to pay for things. Like that's why I stopped doing free consultations. After a while I stopped doing it. Cause if it's free, people don't show up. Like they don't care about not showing up. They don't care about no showing you. They don't care about that. But if you got to pay me $60 ahead of time for this consultation, the chances that you're going to show up are a lot higher because you've invested. Now you've invested something in this process. So it's a yin and yang. You got to know when it's time to, to really charge people and when it's okay to do things for free. And that's more of just a discernment thing and situational. All right. Thank you for listening to part one of a two part interview with the owner of, you know, fit studio, Alyssa and the DFW. Thank you as well, Alyssa, for the interview. Part two comes out in two weeks. You can find her on Instagram at, you know, fit, and you can also go to her website as well at, you know, Thank you. Bye.